0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, thank God, May 19th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am <laughs> and You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com, the podcast comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are joined by Yukon Cornelius from the Real Friends <laughs> Rainier cartoons. Um, no, we're joined by, um, by Paul McCann. Mr. Predator Paul, Fred Paul for us, um, our, our writer, and more importantly, the voice that you hear when you hear a goal scored by Philip Forsberg in the arenas. No, I was going to say,
1: thank you, Paul. Thank uh, you, Paul. Just yes. thanks
0: now. Get it right. Just thanks. Oh. Just thanks, Paul. Right. <laughs> you have quite a thing. So anyway, Paul, we're so happy that you could come on. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, happy to. Absolutely. I am so excited. And I'm just, I, you know as you know, you know, I've been with you guys, the Preds, so they've always been my other team. Um, and just completely, I just can't help but think about like that day we came down there, and I and I came down there, and with the, and Jim Balsillie was rumored to be taking the team to Hamilton and all that crazy stuff. And I sat next to Vernon Fiddler and answered phone calls with you. And it was ten,
2: actually ten years ago
0: oh, that yes. whole thing broke
2: right around this date. Um, yep. that's when the vulture first attacked uh, t- attacked Nashville. Right. But um, can you imagine? I mean. You knew that the town was already starting to take hockey to its heart. I mean, 7,000 people showed up on the floor of, the uh, of, of, at that point, I'm not sure what the name of the place was at that point, but at Bridgestone yes. Arena. Um, and, uh, man, last night you had 17,500 in the house, another 2,000 outside in the Hall of Fame Park, just going bonkers. It, 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 was, it was
0: a really, really good time. Oh, man, this is run has been amazing, and um, yeah, it, just, it feels so, it's just so rewarding. I know it's so rewarding to all of you guys who went through all of that, you know, and I can just, I can just feel like, you know, it's been such a journey, and and, and it's so funny to me, and it must be to you, Paul, to like, so to hear how hip, like, this whole thing has become, like, you guys have, like, it's, I don't know where the, I don't know what the, the great old turning point was or whatever, but that that suddenly when nashville went from like you know ah uh, you know to an out of market you know a small market team to being like the place where everybody wants to go where the Stanley like cup finals I I mean it's really something i mean it, it's just it's so rewarding It must be great for you guys
2: oh yeah well it's funny cuz we were actually joking i was sitting uh with uh nick uh, nick, uh costa uh, oh god i can't pronounce Acosta, his name Acosta, Thank you. Easy for easy for you to say. It's not like I do this for a living. But um, I was talking to him last night and he was actually joking about the uh, the annual ritual of the articles that say, hey, wow, like Nashville's like a hockey market. And that's been going on since uh, 2011. When they uh, got the second round against Vancouver and the Canadian press came down and had a blast at Tootsie's and ate barbecue and went nuts. And um, all of a sudden, Nashville's a hockey market, and then it goes away during the regular season, and they get to the second round again, and it happens again. So, <laughs> this year, it's just uh, a lot more focused, uh, especially getting through to the Western Conference Final for the first time. And, uh, boy, I will tell you what, um, as the kids like to say, Bridgestone Arena was lit last night. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable both games three and four the, the the crowd was amazing
0: i have i will tell you something that tells you exactly how far you made it and this is it okay ready i had a soccer practice during the game where you where the predators eliminated the blues i had a soccer thing with my daughter an afternoon game right i had a big practice with her and i'm getting texts from my wife who is watching the game on her own at home <laughs> because she's but she's fallen in love with the predators and that she's never done that with the flyers okay so that she was actually watching a game Wow! Texting me, the texting me the updates, and she's and she's she's like every Preds, you know, she's she's there. She's all started watching hot games on her own. I mean, she's you know, just wait, just to show you the other side. There is another side.
1: I, I was playing softball yesterday, and I was checking my phone to check the scores. And people were like, what do you check in? I'm like the Stanley Cup. They're like, who's in? I said, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they're like, who's left in the
3: playoffs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, the. Wait, the, the 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 ratings are always the highest in Buffalo, no matter, and, and Buffalo is never playing, right?
0: Never, never yeah. playing. So, so obviously, I, I was watching. Right. Listen, I mean, it's a, this is a good, this is a great story, and it's it's just like, um, oh, it's, know, and and I don't, and a great. I mean, we have a potential, really interesting Stanley Cup final here, you know, with these two teams. to I me, mean, see, it's it's, it's 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 a fantastic story, and the
4: thing is, is that yeah. it, it sort of it sort of bucks the trend of. Uh, you know, I mean, and believe me, I, I'm sympathetic to Canadian markets regarding you know them wanting more NHL teams. But this was oh, yeah. a situation a few years ago where you know this was a a franchise ripe for the picking, but it was not because there was the potential of support there, and there were signs of support there. And you know, with other franchises right now, I think that you know, legitimately, Arizona or maybe Florida or. You know, there's a couple others, Carolina, where, you know, I think their markets that would probably or their, their uh, franchises would benefit for a transfer to uh, a Canadian market. Whereas Nashville was something that I all along said, yeah. I think there's something there. And honestly, Paul, if you take the vote of every media member, they want that franchise to stay in Nashville and will, oh. will stay in Nashville now because it's the destination where they want to go.
0: For sure. Do we lose Paul for a second? Paul, right, okay. Let me, uh, let me. Let me. Yeah.
4: I'll tell you this though. I'll, we're
0: I'll starting
1: that, to see. We're starting to see the time of the year articles, and it doesn't matter what the market is, where people are writing. Well, which could be the worst case scenario for the NHL for for you know for ratings in the uh, Stanley Cup, and I you know I hate that because I got to tell you something. Me personally, I don't care if the ratings tanked in two thousand four with Tampa and Calgary. It was a great series. And so, you know what? I vote for the great series. I'm not worried about what the TV ratings are. I'm really not. Well,
4: I mean, obviously, for, for the NHL, and this is not – well, I mean, because the NHL is concerned with – they're going to get ratings in Canada no matter what. Right. the worst The worst rating would be anything involving Ottawa because they won't. They, you know, it doesn't count in terms of ratings in the U.S. And if it was a Toronto or a Montreal, I think that would be compelling to U.S. viewers. But if it's uh, if it's a rematch of 2007, I, let's say Ottawa Anaheim, uh, I think that that would you know that would not be good. Ottawa Nashville, I think actually would probably be a little bit better because it's two small markets. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's can we? Oh, uh, Anaheim would be tough. Um,
0: I lived through that you one. Might so.
4: wanna, you <laughs> might want to you might want to re reinvite Paul. Yeah, I did. I I, okay. um,
0: I think I did. Yeah, um, so, but let's touch touch on touch. Well, let's um, I want to talk about the game with him. So um, let's see, let's see one
4: um, Well, okay, I'll start, and when he when he gets in, right? Um, I okay, it was to my mind the strongest game that Anaheim played up until about the eight minute mark. Uh, or the 12-minute mark of the third period, they really, I thought, smothered the Nashville attack. I mean, Nashville had one or two shots in the first period. Anaheim gets up on that Raquel goal, a nice goal by Nick Ritchie to make it two nothing. You know, midway through the third period, Nashville really wasn't showing much signs of life. No. And, and then, and this is the this is the problem I have. And okay, I think some of the calls were justified, but you had the referee really getting involved in this game with Anaheim up two nothing, with a couple really ticky-tack calls. The one on Kasha was I, I thought was was ticky-tack, and, so. and and the momentum of the game. And Paul, I want to get your opinion on this because at two nothing, as as loud as that arena was at, at the end of the game at two nothing, it sounded like a morgue because Anaheim had had done a really good job smothering the Nashville offense, and then a series of penalties and opportunities on the power play really got Nashville back in that game.
3: Uh, I don't disagree with that, um, but I also think those penalties were earned. Um, and one of the things, it, it, it was interesting, if you've seen Elliot Friedman's uh, uh, piece today, mm-hmm. fascinating take on the penalties because, um, and I've heard a couple of NHL coaches actually say this, to where the Anaheim game is you go ahead and commit as many penalties as humanly possible, and <laughs> only a couple get called, right. and hey, they win. And you saw that even during the five-on-three in the third period. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, did you see it in overtime yes. uh, on that. It was unbelievable. So, I mean, I get what you're saying that, that maybe, but – they also were, you know, in no autopsy, no penalty mode in the uh, uh, in the um, uh, overtime period. And and you know what? When your goaltender gets butt ended,
4: I'm sorry, that
3: should needs to be called no matter what.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, of, okay, of the of the four calls, of the four penalties, I thought the the, the one that was the worst was the was the BX, uh or was the Josh Manson slash on James Neal that, but but. And, and I, I said this to, to Russ before the show, yeah. to get a five-on-three in a conference final ten years ago, it would have to be double murder, and yeah. it wasn't double murder. And that—that's yeah, th-
0: we've we've seen that though. We've seen this. I mean, we've seen this so many times now. I mean, it, I mean that it, that was ten years ago. I mean, that really. I mean, uh, I mean, believe me, I'm a point. I'm a person who never a penalty should be called in overtime. No matter what happens, like that. That's my. You know, that's way, That's how I grew up. You know, let everybody kill each other. Just go for it, whatever it is, yeah. unless someone's on a breakaway and yanked down from behind. No, hey, I'll,
1: I'll tell you what. I thought this game was was a, a matching of coaching wits to yeah. some degree. I I thought that the way that um, – And try again. Oh, what was that? I, the way that Anaheim slid Nick Ritchie over the bench to get him in there before he got his first, first goal, that was nice. I mean, that was, yeah. that was a mark of brilliance. I mean, it took a turnover too to really help make that play. he did he just sort of slipped over the boards they had him they catch him with a full speed pass and he's got a great wrist shot like if you if you're not right on him he will kill your goalie and there was nothing renee can do but i you know the one thing that that i did say that carlisle needed to do was get richie more involved and he did and that that made him a little more formidable and kessler did get more into the game offensively he's still not scoring but he is taking his mind off of killing Johansson and actually playing offense again. And then that helped him
3: too. You know, it's fascinating. You talk about the Kessler Johansson thing and um, everybody jumped all over Johansson for his post game comments uh, from game two, but looking at it from the opposite angle, it was a masterstroke from Johansson. And especially after, um, after um, uh, LaViolette decided to let him start against Kessler. He was in Kessler's head that entire game. Kessler was completely ineffective in game three, and he wasn't much better last night. He was at least more offensive. Yeah. But uh, Kessler's been a non-factor in this uh, series, especially if you, get, if you give it to where his job was been to stop Johansson. And first two games, Johansson's had a goal and three assists. That's not exactly stopping him.
0: No, I think no, that's right. fair. I mean, the one thing that gets to me, that the only thing I, that won that five on three, and this is just from an aside, and I know this is an opinion, right? I, I'm having. It's funny to have Laviolette again as my coach because I was a Flyers fan in such a long time, and I'm starting to remember, the more I watched Predator, Predators, I'm starting to remember the small little – I like Laviolette in every which way. Actually, I think he's the sharpest coach I've ever been around. Um, I actually was, I've sat with him and talked to him, and even during practice, watched him. And, um, and he will tell you things, one time I got a really great chance to interview him, I stood right next to him in practice, and he was pointing out things that were happening five seconds before they were going to happen, in just like a weird, spooky way, like he is that far, he is that good, um, but I know he has this, like set things on power plays that make me a little insane. And that's where I'm five on three. I'm like, there's no reason Ellis isn't on the power play on that five on three. Like to me, you've got to find a way to get, to get Ellis out there. right But now. I think he
1: he's, what so he's hard. trying to do. Ellis is still a fairly young guy, and he yeah. doesn't want to burn him out the same as the Rangers burning out Ryan McDonough yeah. when you're on the on the top yeah, pairing and, and
0: it's and hard. You, you got to limit their minutes a little bit. And and you do have two guys named Yossi and So. Oh, you got great. You got great, but Ellis has just, just had like the magic finger. You know, like he just yeah. had. But what it's worth, I mean, and, and you know, I mean, and then when Subban scores, you know, that was Ellis and Subban going back and forth. Subban scores after that, after the yeah. power plays forever. I just think Subban and Ellis have had, like, in such a magic. But, I mean, obviously, you know, you'll well, support, I, you I know, think this series, too, so. <laughs> this series,
1: I think, is the two best goalies. I know we talk about Anderson having a great run, but this is the battle of the
0: two best goalies, I think. And- I'm going to totally disagree with that. Oh, it is. No, that? it is. I'm telling you. You. I think Gibson has <laughs> been terrible in this series, and I, I'm yeah. so. I'm. I'm sorry. I. You know, he can't be terrible. This is we like you're way okay. off base. No, no. I know I am. I know you think I am. <laughs> I don't know I am. I know you think I am. All right. I know. Well, you her. think I am. But here is the thing. Okay. I'm watching him. Okay. It's first of all. Maybe I can't get by the fact that he looks like Riggins from Friday Night Lights, but I'm trying. But anyway, I'm just. I'm. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm okay. He is – and they're putting it out. As a goalie, the one thing you're taught never to do is fall backwards, right? Like when you make your save, you fall forward. He falls backwards all the time. Like Uh, Dominic Kosick did things that no goalie should ever do either. I know, but falling backwards was not one of them. No, but here's the thing. You're no longer looking at the puck when you're back like this. You can't – Listen, (laughs) even if you're going to get
1: on him for going and getting his stick – No, I'm not. I thought that was great. And I thought oh, my I, God. I, are you mentally, kidding? I'm telling you, he is a guy that's mentally strong, and if he's going to do something, he's going to do
0: something, and he Isn't doesn't panic. Strength, or is it paranoia that he just, or is it just nervousness that he can't stop it if he doesn't have his stick anymore? Well, I think all goalies have that. I think that's I fair. Well, Paul, well, what, are your, what are your thoughts? I'm sorry. Well, I, I tell you what, after watching Gibson, uh, my,
3: my my attitude on Gibson's actually improved uh, as this series has, uh, has gone on. I, I feel like he, um, I feel like he's got a lot going for him. I think there is some technical things that he absolutely needs to work on. Um, I agree with you. When it comes down to the the falling backwards, it drives me nuts. But I will tell you, he's positionally sound. He likes getting square to the shooter. I, I, I like a lot of the things I see out of him. His problem right now is he does not have a really solid defense in front of him, and he's being counted on way too much.
0: right. I think he's actually, I think his problem now is he's exhausted. I he's think a 23-year-old, too. I mean, that's, an, and these yeah. are definitely the most games he's ever played in his career. I mean, well, totally exhausted to me. And Whoa. by the end of the game, more so, I mean, there's no secret, I mean, the Preds are having these great comes back, comebacks, but, you also get the feeling that the Preds are fired up by the fact that they can see him starting to sag. Mm, they, he, when you have 65 people in the crease at the end of a game with the extra guy in the ice, you
1: can't expect the goalie to stop all that. I'll tell you what; he made a fantastic save on one of the power plays. I don't
0: remember which yeah, one. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm not. I, I, I hate. I'm not. And to say he's terrible, but I just will not say he's the second best goalie in the playoffs right now. Well,
4: to, to to let me just say this, Paul Paul talked about the tactic that the that the Ducks used and they and and Paul they used this tactic in 2007 i remember but oh, yeah. but in 2007 they had Sammy Paulson they had i think uh, Todd Marchant they had a, a really good uh, double unit of penalty killers and they had Pronger and Niedermeyer. this time around right. if you look at the statistics they're the worst active team on the penalty kill in the playoffs right now so that yeah. tactic and the thing was is that Nashville didn't score on the power plays, but the momentum of the game changed with those four power plays. It, I mean, Gibson may have been exhausted when when uh, when Arvidsson tied the game because, or who? I'm sorry, it wasn't Arvidsson. Who? Uh, I can't. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, yeah, but but I just I th- just think that that changed the momentum of the game, and I, I I'm stuck on that point but right don't now. You
0: think, Mike. That like you talk about ticky tack penalties and they are ticky-tack penalties, but they're also penalties from being tired. They're penalties that players take when they're tired. Yeah, definitely. So, I, mean, I think that's, that's a part of it. You know, and that's what that's what you're seeing. Like you're seeing a frustrated tired team, and you're seeing the predators know the predators having benefited from the quick two series in the first two rounds and, and the that they see they they they're sensing that the, 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 the ducks have about Fifty-two minutes in them, <laughs> you know
1: what I mean. And then and after that, is, you know what? This is going to be a grinding seven-game series. I think we all
0: thought that. To the Predators' advantage, longer this goes, because I don't know, I don't know. No. about that. I think I mean, it does. I'm not sure that's right. It
4: does. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. Go
3: ahead, Paul. Go well, I'm going to tell you, and here's why I say that: because as, as someone that experienced it last year, where the uh, the Predators came in took Anaheim out in seven, and then had to turn around and do another West Coast yeah. seven-game series against the San Jose Sharks. They left it all out, but by the time they got to game seven in San Jose, after 40,000 air miles, <laughs> after game, after game, after game, after game, with no break, sound familiar? Um, this is what's happening. You've seen that Anaheim team, and I tell you, When they came out in the third period for game three, they are grabbing their shorts already. You knew they were cooked at that point. They looked the exact same way when they came out yesterday. You knew that game was going to end up being tied just by how they came out. And it's just going to get worse, especially if they keep taking these kinds of penalties. Right. And I think they will because it's in their DNA. Yeah. It wears them down, and that's where that seven-game series against Edmonton is going to come back and fight them. The longer
4: this series goes, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's more I, I think it's more the penalties, Paul. But because you got to remember, they swept they swept Calgary just like Nashville swept Chicago. So there was there was a yeah. first-round rest there. I mean, it was a, it was a grueling series with with Edmonton, and you do have some key injuries there. I mean, they got EXA back last night. Um, uh, Patrick Eves hasn't been and he Patrick Eves was good for them in the first round. He hasn't been available to them and then last night Raquel got hurt in third period. Right. He didn't come back for overtime but they say
0: he's okay. But they lose Raquel and yeah, that's that a big, a big that, loss, that's probably. a big loss. But here's the thing guys so this these are two teams. Okay so the way they it was really exhausting to play edmonton first off edmonton edmonton is a team you have you're chasing constantly the speed that they use i mean they that game that whole series was played at a really high and
1: speed i think at that point the effects of that series i don't think are carrying over to this point of this series. I, I think,
0: think game one. I think the Predators
1: maybe one, Maybe even game two, but that's it. I mean, not, but that's true. That's no, true. But we're too far
0: into this now, and it's a tie series. No, but yeah. you're not, but you're not. The last two games, I agree with Paul. Like the, yeah. at the end of the third period, you have seen you have seen that. I mean, there is no question there. I have never seen a more tired team. I mean, these icings, by the way, you know, like when you're when these icings when your goalies out. Well, look, I think they may the be fire. a more tired team because. They're a team that's
1: a little bit more physical and they're actually trying to when you're trying to plaster the other guys and catch them and do it, it does take a lot of energy to do that. And,
0: yeah. And both of these teams rely on the same thing. Both of these teams are get up and go teams that really love to play attack at a high pace, right? And yeah. and that is something that right now the predators are able to are able to are able to pull out of their stockings and and you're not seeing it out of Anaheim late in the games. You're just not. In the well, overtime, you saw. It. I'll give Anaheim credit. In the overtime yesterday, you saw it. They pulled it out, and they they did find that extra strength. And Getzlaf, especially at times, is trying to carry the team. He made he made some unbelievable plays down the stretch yesterday, last night. Yeah. Well, he, no, was, no, he reminded me, Paul. You know who he is? Getzlaf is Eric Lindros to me. When at times when he kicks, when he kicks into that thing, he well, has that. He well, reminds me so well, much of Lindros when he when he decides he wants to score or when he decides he wants to take the puck. He looks like he's twelve years older than everybody else on the ice. He looks like a big guy with the little kids, you know. Yeah, I think that's fair.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, and here's the other thing, though. Keep in mind, guys. Um, you know, I know that it's the third. I know that it's the third. Uh, you know, we're in the third round, and the impact shouldn't be there. But remember, a break for Nashville before this series started. Yeah. Okay, that rest is going to come in to play. As this series continues, yeah. and and because this is such a grinding series and because Anaheim is in that exact same spot that Nashville was last year, and, and I, I mean, I saw the Predators, just the energy just drained out of them because that Anaheim to Edmonton trip is only about 150 miles west
0: than Anaheim to Nashville. Yeah. People don't realize it. You're right. I mean, I was like, you Give him back Patrick Eves if the Predators can have back Kevin Fiala. You know, like to me, it's like they're both missing a key, key player there.
3: Well, Well, Mike Fisher is either now. But Mike Fisher didn't come out for overtime either.
0: Right. The one, the one, the one thing, the
4: one thing that you saw Carlisle do more and more yesterday, like Russ said, they bring up, they moved Richie up to a a higher line, they moved Nate Thompson up to a higher line, they gave more ice time to Kasha. They're going to the younger players. They're going to, you know, they're they're playing Vermette a little more, and I think. Yeah, they have to. And I know, I know that Cam Fowler played 28 minutes last Fowler night. Fowler was unbelievable by the but, way. I mean, oh yeah, he's been incredible.
1: One, one of reason, the best games I've ever seen Cam Fowler play.
4: Yeah. Dream yeah. the impossible. Dream NHL NHL teams out there that that guy is going to get the free agency. There's no way in hell Bob Murray is going to let him even get close. Not a chance.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, to me, you're really the way he, the way he's played the whole series. I mean, this is the this and the playoffs too. I mean, he's had an incredibly crazy playoffs. I really felt bad for PK Subban the way that game ends because it's like, and it is a PK Subban thing too because I've seen him do that against Montreal. I, I've seen and it, it's 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 weird to me that he, you know, gets to stick around and doesn't get it flat. You know, like I, to, tip, to, to to stop the puck and then tries they, to tip Yossi over the,
3: does the same thing. Yossi does the same thing. You saw two. Two of the you know two goals from a Roman Yossi went went ticking off of his stick. One in game two, and one last night. Both, I mean, both of those goals did not go in. Two of those goals did not go in cleanly, right. and you could see them change direction, not in time for Rene to make the make the reaction. And look, it's a bad bounce. It happens. It is, it I is, mean, is
0: it's PK, it's PK trying to do everything he can humanly do? You know, that's what it is. It's it's you can't blame a guy for that. He absolutely pretty. tries to do everything. He yeah. humanly can do, and that's what he's going to do. But in that situation, you know, if you get your stick around and you just get it flat versus trying to trying to deflect it over the net, you can't deflect a puck over the net when you're that close to the net. And it's just something to me that the instinct is, the instinct took over, and you feel bad. But, you know, it's been such an interesting thing. I want to touch on something that's I know really hard probably for you to talk about, but the P.K. Subban-Shea Weber difference in the playoffs, you know? that um, yeah. As I'm watching this, I've talked to people all year long because Montreal fans are still like, oh, you know, the, the Predators got further, they got better trade. I would still take Shea Weber. <laughs> that's just me. Uh, but but think about this, Eck. Not in a Peter Laviolette system. Yeah, I guess right, that's true. I think that is the, the key. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really.
3: That's good where both teams won this. I mean, you know, talking about four years, five years down the road, who cares? But right now, this is where I think there is a clear winner in here because Shea Weber was the absolute perfect fit for Montreal and the system that they're playing, and PK Subban. Once he got through the injuries once he acclimated to nashville once the blue line finally started playing together at the end of january and this team started gelling i have been incredibly impressed with the team play, with how pk has fit in in nashville because nashville has said look we're going to let pk be, be pk because honestly having a personality
4: is not a bad
0: thing. Are you listening, montreal <laughs> Well, uh, I mean... I do wouldn't agree with you, but besides that... Oh, this this
4: no, but this had nothing to do with Bergevin and nothing to do Oh, with come with on. Bergevin. But Mark, was, Mark, Mark Bergevin and, Mich- and Michelle terrien were the two happiest people It last was night.
0: Trust me, it was all terrien Trust me. Well, funny. I got in a fight with somebody on Twitter last night about this, because they're like, oh, you know, that never would have happened with Shea Weber, and I said, listen... Yeah. The, the Shea Weber, the as much as I think he's one of the greatest defensemen of our time, and and an incredible defenseman. The one thing he didn't do well, in my opinion, and that made me crazy about Shea Weber, is how often he was on his side or on his on the ground right in front of Pecker Rennie. He had a tendency to go down to block shots all the time. But when he was really close to Rennie, and there were more than one on more than one occasion, you would see Rennie be impeded by actually Shea Weber's body. A trying lot
1: of to- defensemen do that. Dan Girardi yeah. does that a lot with Lundqvist. A lot of those. Yeah. Guys block a lot of shots tend to do that.
0: Which whatever yeah, whoever – you know, and again, it's just a guy trying to do everything physically, yes. you know, and it's not you don't want to call it against him. But yeah. the big big difference to me is when you look at the goalies here between Renee and Gibson, and, and I'm not I don't mean to be an anti-Gibson guy. You yeah, but you totally are like go ahead. <laughs> All right, but listen, Rene Hold it, hold it. <laughs> I know Renee I can't I can't because I like Gibson. But Renee is Rene brings this real and I I hate how old is Pecorini? You're talking. Yeah. I mean, there I is a the difference of experience. There is. I will move on after this. I promise. But here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of goalies who you can see it in their eyes when they let up a goal that they're that they're that they're upset or that it's gotten to them. Lundquist does this. Um, you know, you got um, Steve Mason does this in Philly. Um, and Gibson does this, where you can see, and you know, where Rennie gives up a goal, and he's not blaming anybody. He's not looking around for a person to, you know, to to claim. And he and he just he's just right back up and at it, you know.
4: Bro, Brodor used like, to do that. I'm, Did it ever hurt him? Come on. I, I, I don't I don't pick on pick up on that with Gibson to the to the other extreme. Any goaltender who drifts out of his net in overtime oh, with gosh. the puck behind the goal line and the, 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 sort of lackadaisically goes for the stick, I'm like. This guy has got, like, nerves of steel. Yeah, he does. He, uh, hey, look,
3: I'll take, the, take the Anaheim Nashville thing out of it. I'm feeling pretty good about John Gibson being in net for Team USA. You should be. Yeah. <laughs> you should be.
4: He's the future of the <laughs> He's
3: 20- already
4: won a gold medal. You should be. In 2022, yeah. act, when, the, when, the, when, the, when we're playing
0: in the Olympics in China, John Gibson's yeah. probably your goalie. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. I will right, okay. take Ben Bishop. I'll take. No, you him. won't. Bishop will be in a wheelchair it'll 30,
4: by then. It'll be thirty-eight or thirty-nine right, okay, years
3: old.
1: Bishop. It'll be <laughs> Hella. It'll be him or Helen. All yeah,
0: right. I, man. I, 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 him or Hallabuck, exactly. Maybe, I mean, maybe the. I don't know. I don't know. Yep. Uh, as, long, as long as we can get, or or maybe 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 it'll, maybe there'll be Tyler Parsons or Joseph Wall. Yeah. I mean, I am the, I, the Team USA is exciting. I mean, that's going to be incredible. I mean, that I can't wait okay. to see them all together. I can't wait. You know, you saw. A little bit in this world championships, but you didn't really see it because I mean, with a team USA without Austin Matthews is is the, is not a team oh, USA anymore. I mean, it's it's a whole different world. That's 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 the key. I mean, we've never had Team USA has never had Austin Matthews before, like or any player like that. So
1: well, that's no, that's not entirely uh,
0: true or fair. It's not. <laughs> it's not. They had like right, Medano. I mean, let's be yeah. fair about this. I'm being fair. I think Austin Matthews will go down as a better player if than you're Mike.
1: You're telling me today he's going to be better than Mike Medano. I got to say, let's wait and see.
0: That's a big chore right there. I'm telling you that. You can say wait and see. Um, all, right. <laughs> uh, all right. Pete, do you want to hang out and talk to the other games with us, or do you have to get going? Or Actually, I do. I got to get back to my day job
3: because, uh, you know,
0: that right. kind of pays the deal. Okay. Sorry for calling you Pete there, Paul. Sorry about that. Always oh, no problem with Enjoy it, guys, and uh,
3: we'll see what happens tomorrow night. It's going to be one hell of a game. That's for darn sure. And, uh, man, if you think uh, last night was loud at Bridgestone Arena, uh, I, I have a funny feeling if they come back with a chance to get to the final um, in game six on Monday night, um, there's going to be a lot of shredded vocal cords in music city come Tuesday morning.
0: Oh, I bet there will. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, next week I'll buy you a beer down there, all right?
3: Well, get on down here. We'd love to see you.
0: Well, I'll be there. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you then. That's Paul McCann. Um, follow him at Preds Paul on Twitter. Um, Paul's the best. Absolutely the best. He added that
1: um, element of danger, too, with the fan, because you never know if it's going to come down into capital. I like he was going to kill him at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. Paul's it? the what best. Is, I mean, Paul – What is this, Vic Morrow in the Twilight Zone movie? Paul's a great hockey buzz story, too, which I just – you know, the fact of the matter is, like, when I started the blog, Paul's from the Philadelphia area, but he lives in Nashville. He was working for Dell Computer down there, and you know, doing his thing, and and uh, he just wanted to write, write. You know, he he's one that kind of got me turned on to the Preds. We started talking about the whole thing, and um, and then he started writing for the writing for the Preds for our website. And he's always, you know, used to be like a radio DJ. He's got that great DJing voice and stuff like that. He's got the whole thing going on. And um, sure enough, he ends up after that, he ends up getting the job as the PA announcer from a hockey buzz gig. That is so cool to me. I just can't even tell you. And it's that was, great. That's the neatest thing. Like we've had some people move on to other other positions, but that was that's one of the neat, one of the cooler ones. And then every time, you know, he's just he just does a great job there. So all right, let's move on. We got a lot to talk about, and I do have to cut out right at four, so we got to do this fast. All right, or maybe four or five. <laughs> maybe four or five at this point. <laughs> we'll do our best here. Let's talk out. Let's talk Sens, Sens Penguins, and we got to start, of course, with the goaltending issue tonight because uh, Matt Murray is indeed playing in goal. I'm not surprised at all by this at all. I mean, again, this is a little bit of a panic
1: move, not because it's Murray, but just because he's making the change this way because he tried to mislead everybody in the last practice by having Flurry take the net and Murray share it. And then, of course, today he divulged that, you know, with Murray having the own net, that it was going to be him. So Sullivan's, you know, he's he's made a couple of panicky moves here. doesn't mean it's going to hurt him in the series. He's got Matt Murray. But it just – now he – he switched to Matt Murray. Now he is going with Matt Murray. Like, that's it. That's the way it goes now.
0: Let's, let's, let's go through some mystery for a second here, you know. Um, all right, Matt Murray, when Sullivan takes over the job last year, Matt Murray becomes his goalie and takes him and wins a freaking Stanley Cup with him. So I get that, but you don't I mean, say It's not a panic move to put a goalie in that you won the Stanley Cup it, with. It, it is in the sense that you know when you take Flurry out, unless there's an injury, he's not going to come back the same Mark andre Fleury. You know that. I know but I think they I, I think that they had to do this not even for flurry not even for not even not even for the sake that flurry was playing poorly because he wasn't he had the one bad game he was playing amazing but you know i think the fact is that they that penguins team is in disarray right now after that game and i think that this yeah, but what if Murray has a bad game yeah i mean that's so that's that's, not, what, that, that's a big what if that we've never seen. you know like I've never oh, seen, we haven't seen that's that's what that's what Rob that's what Rob Rossi said today. I, but, I, I don't buy it. I think I, well, he, Matt Murray to me is like I, I, I've I've been so. I mean, like I've told before, I told you, nobody likes Matt Murray more than me. But the risk factor is there. That's all I'm saying. I like yeah, Matt he, Murray more than you, Russ. Um, okay, well, know this, He back. basically
4: said he basically <laughs> said that now, if 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 the if, if the Senators lose, if, if the Penguins lose to a worse opponent, which the Senators are, that the loss will be on Sullivan because he panicked and went. Oh, Flurry that's true. No, that's absolutely absolutely.
1: I absolutely think that's
0: I think that's yeah. dead on you're accurate. Not go, you're not going to a schmuck. It second, doesn't I'm not matter. Going to a goalie who won the friggin' Stanley Cup, who won the rookie it wouldn't run the rookie of the year if he played enough games. It's the so, psychology of yeah, exactly. Exactly. it. It doesn't matter who's in net. That this has team has nothing is, to do. That's so this is so ridiculous. I'm sorry. That, I, team, I'm that team that team rallied behind Flurry. It doesn't matter that all these defensemen are hurt or all these forwards are that hurt. It matters that they rallied behind Flurry. I don't think so. This year? They did. Yes? I don't think so. Oh, I mean, you're, 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 talking, you're talking about Crosby and Malkin and that Flurry is a rallying behind him. They're going to play worse if Matt Murray's in there? Nobody's saying they're going to play worse. The point is the mood, the change will be different. And again, you can't go by what Murray did last game because right. when he came in last game, that game was over. But you need to do something different. They have played three lousy games. Okay. okay
1: but this is his first playoff game this year you don't know if he's going to be good or not you can't guarantee that
0: right he is, i mean i can't he came in like he came i don't know every time he comes in he surprises me with how this there the difference between flurry and murray is light is night and day in terms of met, the mental aspect of the game okay like flurry is an emotional goalie he rides that emotion up and down I know, good I or bad think there's or a difference there. i don't think it's night and day but there's a difference i agree murray still- murray is Completely, Murray has that Carey Price type mentality to him that he just goes in and does his thing, and it's it will calm down a, a defense, especially a defense that's in turmoil, because you need to calm a defense down right now because that defense has a lot of young players on it, a lot of players who you know. And to me, Matt Murray will freeze the puck more than Flurry does. He'll just do a lot of things that calm that defense. Yeah, down but he's also price. not
1: good with the stick, and that may hurt them too with not having as mobile a defense as they did. That is, that must,
4: is I still I still think we're tarring Marc Andre Fleury with the perception of him from say four or five years ago I agree. when, everybody, when everybody no, thought no, he no, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm not I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that no Fleury has gotten way better than that. And I agree with you. And maybe in the beginning of the playoffs, I was doing that. But I think he's totally impressed me this playoffs. I'm not I'm doing this just on the fact that you have this incredible option here. Um, and and you have some. You have a defense that's flattering, and you just bring back the confidence. of so this guy won us a Stanley Cup last year. You, you well, change things around. The whole mentality well, switches. Let me let me let me ask this hypothetical. Ottawa blows them out tonight.
4: Who starts Game Five? Can Fleury. you go back to can you go back to Flurry or do you yeah, go back I mean. to Flurry?
0: See, you cannot do that. Yeah, you can you can do it? it no, you can't. I'm no. telling you. Goalies are, these goalies are. I mean, they've been through these. Flurry's not a rookie. He can come back in there if Murray gets hurt tonight. Flurry comes in. It's not going to. He gets hurt. It's different
4: act right. what I'm what I'm saying is I mean you think that you think that they're that this move that going to Murray is a panic mode move going back to flurry in game five if they lose this one is super panic
0: mode it's definitely yeah, panic move but this is not a panic move this is a very strategic move this makes total sense to me hmm. That's a, pa- a panic move yeah, if you, if you change again because you know or whatever um then yeah then I can see it then you're going back you're flip flapping back and forth but at this point you're just saying, listen, guys. This guy wants the Stanley Cup, and he's healthy. All right. He lost his job because he got hurt. We're bringing him back in. We're g- he's going to help us win the Stanley Cup again. And, and suddenly, it's like to me, like I've said, the two things that can change a team, whole mentality, is a coach and a goalie. It changes yeah. everything. And it could also change it for the worst too. Yeah, but right now they have, they couldn't play worse than they played in these first three games. I mean, the Penguins have really played terrible games. Well, that last game was the worst, but I that guess. was the worst. But they could have easily could be down three nothing right now. And, and, you know, they really – mean they're they, not. I mean, that, that whole what-if thing, it doesn't matter. They're yeah, not. But they, they've scored two goals. doesn't right? matter. Three goals in three games, what they've scored? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It matters if you're a team that prides yourself on scoring goals. I mean, this is a Penguins team that is all about scoring goals. They've scored three goals in three games. I just think that they need a change. They need to do something different. And their injuries—they—they they can't rush these guys back. None of them. No one's going to be. No one's going to be back. I mean, just heard you know Sullivan say everyone who was probably probable yesterday, or whatever, yeah. is doubtfully doubtful now or whatever. Yeah. So I think <laughs> it looks too. It, it's like, it's completely. I don't know. It's. I just. I think that this is a. I usually would agree with you guys, but this is a rare instance when you're bringing in a guy, that that saved you last year. So the the mentality of that team is he's going to help. He's going to save us again. Listen, half the reason they got killed in that game was having Mark Strike play five on five. That oh, was, no, no was that no a mistake, and that's not going to change with with Murray in there either. I mean, Mark Strike shouldn't be out there in five on five situation.
4: Well, no. I, I think what I think what you should be prepared for tonight uh, with Craig Anderson is a little treatment like. Uh, Gibson and to an extent Renee gets and not that they're gonna run him but they're gonna they're gonna have to go to the front of the net and they're gonna have to disturb him because he's so on right now that yeah. they have they have to shake him up if they don't do it they're gonna lose you know they're gonna score one goal again or right. less and not win so they're gonna have to get or, in his kitchen or
1: they just need to shoot instead of too many passes because they're doing that too.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's. I think those are great points, but I think that this goalie thing is getting blown out of proportion here. Um, it really is. I mean, first of all, I think Matt Murray is going to be the goalie for the Penguins for the next several years. Like, I think that this is the, oh, guy, yeah. who can be the guy. So, unless unless marc Andre Fleury screws them and doesn't wave his no move clause, could, right? Right. You could also argue here that the Penguins are as bad as they played in this series. They really are close to. They're that close to repeating for the Stanley Cup. I mean, you yeah. can't anything you can do right now. You do because all you have to do is win three more games in this series and then beat, you know, either Nashville or Anaheim, which they'll be favored to do. Right. Unless, you know, they would lose more players injury.
4: I mean I, – and I, I keep making this point and, you know, people are going to label, label me as a, sen, as a sense hater, but – This is not an overly talented team. This is a team with decent talent that's playing a system that is effective in shutting down the other team that has more
0: talent. I think Boston had more talent. I think the Rangers had more talent. And I think Pittsburgh has more talent. Can I rephrase what you're saying to what I think you're saying, which is that this is not a group of talented players, but this is a hell of a team. I mean, that's – they're a very good team. They What's are. happening right now? I mean, they are—they are a better team than Boston was. They're a better team than the Rangers were, and so far they've been a better team than the Penguins have been. Now they don't have the talent, but the way they're playing, the system they're playing, they're just a better hockey team. And right now, they there's nobody that they can't take out. I mean, they could—they could win it all. And it—it's hard as it's hard but as anybody it, in it right now can win it all. I mean, that's—I no, know, I know, but they're not. I mean, you can no longer sit there and say that just because of how well they're playing, how well Anderson's playing, the whole, how well Carlson's playing. I mean, there's a whole thing there. All right, let's move on to Carolina, okay? Because we got to talk about some things here. Um, we're gonna get into we've been we've been doing this thing for the expansion draft because we know how much everyone yeah. loves the expansion draft. And we're gonna go into Carolina day. And I've been using this website called planmyteam.com, which is a really good website. Um, the guys are great. I'm gonna more on them later next week, because I might have something to talk about with them next week. Because they really are I really wanna work with them. They they do great stuff. So here's those here's the Carolina Hurricanes. Remember how this works? Is right. you have to you can keep seven players um, and so, you know you have the option of seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. Yeah,
4: I I will say I will say after looking at the Carolina Hurricanes and their and their preparation for the expansion draft that there is no team in the NHL better set up to lose nothing yeah. in the expansion draft than Carolina yeah. because all of their good young defensemen are exempt. Uh, all they they have enough. Space. So right now they're you know they're going to be protecting. And I looked at the list. They're going to be protecting uh, Klaus Dahlback and Ryan Murphy along with Justin Falk. So Panafin, uh, Pesci, all their other defensemen. They don't have to they don't have to worry wow. about it. And and they, you know they they they're going to be able to protect their top six. So Stahl, Skinner, Rask, Lindholm, Lee Stempniak you know, a guy like Nordstrom and Tara and, and the only guy, you know, uh, that, you know, they lose, like, a a, a Na- Nastrasil or a, maybe right. a Philip D. Giuseppe. So they're not losing anything of consequence at all.
0: No. Yeah, they really are. They only have the one player who they have to protect in Jordan Stahl, um, that you know, that, of, the, of the, you know, movement, the no-movement clause or whatever. Um, they're going to be – and this – and I – you know what? I really like this team moving forward too. I just think that people – I can't imagine, you know, to me – the Metro Division is the best division in hockey, but it's only getting better. Yeah, I mean, look when
1: when Hayden Flurry comes in next year, he's yeah. a heck of a defenseman. I like Roland McKean a lot too. So they, Jake Bean will be great when he gets there. It's going to be a few more years for Jake Bean, but they they're going to have a one of the better blue lines in a couple of years. And, like and, say, and they're going to make a trade,
0: or or they're going yes. to sign Oshie, they're, they're going to do something interesting down there to They're going to they're going to make they're going to make a
4: trade because they have they have too many young defensemen all coming up for contract around the same time. So you could see – I mean, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not advocating them trading Noah Hannafin, but, I mean, I know that the, the his name has been out there. If they really want to get themselves a, a legitimate top two-line center, you know, say they want Matt Duchesne, a guy like Hannafin probably is the price that they're going to have to yeah, pay. Yeah,
1: he, he would
0: get a Matt Duchesne. Yeah, he would. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this team's pretty set up in a pretty good way. You know, um, not to rush them through, but there's really nothing else to say about them. Honestly. No, that's no, it. No. I
1: mean,
0: it really is it. Um, I want to go to the uh, the occupy's rumor chart for a little bit here too. Okay, but first before we do that, Russ, why don't you give us a little a process? A sure. Judgment. So
1: we got a kid, Elias Pederson. He um he's an interesting one. I've got him currently ranked eighth. People can go to sportsology.com and see it if they want him my top forty five. But that list will change one more time after the uh the combine. But anyhow, the interesting thing about him is he's a center or a wing. I think he could play center. But right now he's 6'2, 160 something pounds. So he's clearly a bean pole that's gonna have to gain some weight. But he's just he's got a lot of good features. This kid draws penalties. He when he turns the corner on a defender, nobody could stop him. So he's one of those guys that has that extra gear. He's we know he's gonna add on weight, strength, and muscle, right? That's gonna take time, but he's at least gonna get to probably 185, 90 pounds, something like that, which will be good down the road. Love his wrist shot and on the bigger ice surface, like, he's unbelievable. I think still on North American ice, he'll be really good. So he's a kid, you know, if you're in the top 10, you're going to be looking at him, and depending on where you pick,
0: you're going to be thinking about this guy. That's interesting. I I love, I love, I love, you know what's funny is every time you go through this, I love learning these new players. Um, Yeah. I did not know him, and I just think that, Every time you go through it, I'm continually reminded of the fact that it's, you know, just because it doesn't have a you know, an Austin Matthews in this draft doesn't mean we're not gonna see great players. No, and that's
1: the thing. I keep trying to tell people, just because we haven't said that like identified a guy that could be like a superstar from this draft, doesn't mean there isn't one.
4: No. Right. I, I, I keep saying that this this draft could be more exciting than the, the previous two drafts for one in, in for one in one aspect. Uh, you know, maybe from say pick five to pick 15 or 16, you know, there's not a great deal of difference. I mean, there are, there are significant things, but you know, but teams are going to have different players uh, at uh, higher or lower on their draft boards, and they're going to be willing and more able to move up in these drafts or move down because yeah. I don't think uh, the general impression is that it's not as strong. So I think there's going to be a lot more flexibility and a lot more horse trading. You'll be able to make some more
1: trades because I think the team's boards will be a lot different than they were last year, and I think there'll be great discrepancies. And when there's great discrepancies, then – that's when you can make deals.
4: And Jim uh, Jim Neal, who's got the number three pick, apparently has come out and said, "My pick is in play," meaning I'm willing to trade it. But he's you know, not trading is, his pick. Trust I, me. I know, I know. Now, but would he trade down? Yes. But yes. He's not trading out of a third round. Oh, no, no, no. But pick. but yeah, then that, that's all I'm talking about. I mean, he could be willing to trade from pick three to pick eight because he was supposed to be a pick eight.
1: Right. He so, might do that, but this is Jim Neal we're talking about. You know, yeah, he would no. deal that pick altogether.
0: Uh, of course. Yeah, not. Jim Nill is probably one of the best GMs in the league, and I think that, that that might be why he does it, or it might be why he's saying it at least. Because, you know, he's putting yes. – I like when – like I'm not I'm not opposed to, you know, first of all, remember, you know, anyway, if, if it's public, then it's a point. Right. <laughs> you know, because if anyone's put – there's no reason for a GM to publicly say, hey, you know what we'd this like to This is the time of the year when GMs speak, you know that they're not telling the truth. And Jim Nell is very aware of that too. Like he's very he's very aware of social media. He's very aware of the fact that if he says something about this, it's gonna get out there. Yeah.
4: This um, is this is where this is where general managers become like
0: lawyers. How do you know that they're lying? Their lips are moving. Yeah they're alive. Yeah. Um couple rumors before you hit the rumor chart. Um, today I was I, I wrote about Chris Russell and, and the Red Wings. I've heard this a lot. Um, and you know, the interesting thing about Chris Russell last year was remember he it took forever for him to sign, you know. Yes. And, and, you know, everybody said he was a Had Like six or seven teams interested in him in the beginning of the year. There was this big thing we all expected him to sign. And he took forever for him to sign. Eventually signed with Edmonton. Had a, you know, a heck of a year with Edmonton. Like really good year with Edmonton to the point where he proved himself to be a really solid defenseman. I remember one point last year talking to somebody about Detroit and them saying, you know, Chris Russell's good, but, you know, what's the difference between him and, say, you know, I don't know, you know, like a, like a bunch of other defensemen out there like Kindle or, or somebody different, like a different player like that. Not Kindle, but I'm thinking, of. You know, other defensive that were available, and I think Chris Russell, what I heard, has really has differentiated himself from a lot of the pack. Mm-hmm. The point where he's probably going to be, you know, one of the going to make out really well this this year round.
4: The con- the concerns about Chris Russell last year, I think, are still going to be the concerns this summer oh, yeah. because he's a 30 or 31 year old shot blocker, and he had a great yeah. year in Edmonton. But the thing is, now he's another year older. He's another he's wearing an- the the wear and tear. On him is is another year, so I think you know he's he might grab the first long term deal that gets offered to him, but this is the concern for Detroit. And this is, you know, Ken Holland is one of the sharpest general managers in the league, but I think that if they go out and try to make signings and make moves, it smacks of desperation because they're going into a new building and they want to be a, they want to not contend, they want to contend for a playoff spot. And if you look at that team, that team is so far away from a, being a playoff spot. They should re they should tear it down and rebuild, but I don't think they're going to
0: because they can't. Don't agree that they're that far away from a playoff spot. I actually think that they aren't I I don't think they should tear it down and rebuild. I think that they you know they yeah, they definitely maybe could have started rebuilding a year or two earlier. I agree with you there. But I mean and I think they're more retooling. I mean they, they have some they have some great players that had bad sophomore years last year. So it'd be interesting to see how they come back. And you know, do they come back. They could they could break right back in this thing. I mean they're really I mean, you you need you need Nyquist to turn it around <laughs> well. there's no question about that. Um Vander Kane I've heard mention, mentioned with Boston a little bit which is kind of surprising but. to Boston yeah well, Boston. That, that would be that would be a that would be a commentary on how how desperate Buffalo is to get rid of them that they would trade them inside their own division I heard that they are I talked to somebody who said they are hundred percent getting rid of them um, moving yep. them out and and I hate like I said with my blog I hate ever saying 100 percent of anything because that's I've learned by now that you should never say hundred percent of something but well, I was told 100 that, that was the quote well, maybe so. if you
1: rumor with Chara something happens I don't know
0: well Should that that, that I mean act, I mean that
4: goes hand in hand with everything that has been yeah. heard in Buffalo about Kane over the last year but you know I I think it, it, it's to the point of 100 hundred now because he actually had a
0: good year and they can actually get something for him but they yeah. wanted to get rid of this guy for a year yeah ruins were trying to get landis gog and Evander Kane I was told they really they want they want to go for both of them that's a really big that's a big Um, meatball there (laughs) okay so
1: this is this to me smacks of the cam neely influence then because they clearly are trying to get bigger players and i gotta tell you something the bruins don't want to get slower and if they get either one of those guys they're getting a little slower
4: yeah, yeah but th- this is what I don't understand. How do they do this? They're up against No, no, they're going to they're going to have to turn they're going Well have they
1: have young run. defensemen, that may be the way.
4: Well no, no, no. I mean not in terms of being able to get these guys, you oh. know, having I'm I'm saying cap wise. You've got Krejci at over 7 million. You've no, I got, think you
1: can get I think you can get Buffalo to swallow a fair amount of of Andrew Kane. I right do. but, yeah, but landis,
4: yeah. landis Gog is over five million I mean, what do you you know are they Colorado gonna
1: eat? will have to eat some of that too
0: they'll probably have to take a Matt Bolesky back or somebody like that yeah or do that I mean they'll, and they'll get something for you they'll get something pretty good for Landis gog too yes. um and some that, and now the island the other one as is the Islanders abs trade rumor that I've heard um has been kicking around for a while now um but to, it seems as if you know I've heard it go back and forth now it looks as if maybe garsner is gonna Still be there, obviously, and that they're going to let him make this trade and pick up. Um, and Matt Dushane is their target for sure. So, the Islanders want Duchene in a big way. Um, they're only
1: getting. They're only getting him if pullock or Hamannik go the other way. And I don't. And, and and it's going to take. And it will take more
0: than pullock too. It will. Well, I was told Hamannik, um, Halak, for But and and eating half of the salary of Halak. So that will be they would they would keep half the salary of Halak on the island. And a top offensive prospect. Um, what, I haven't been told who it is, but it, what, all they would tell me was it's a player who could step right into the Az lineup. So well, then it's Josh Hosang.
4: Hosang or Bavillier or somebody like that, or, De- you know, or Hosang, Halak, and Homenick maybe for um for Matt Duchesne. Well, um, it's a good deal. Well, I mean, if they're taking on Halak, does that mean that they're that that Colorado? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Colorado looking to move Varlam off. No, actually, yeah. they said they're going to protect him. If you remember. Wow. I
0: mean that's
1: well then the- they came out and said they will protect him. Now that's Sackick. If Sackick moves out,
0: right, I don't know right. what'll happen. Right, right. That's the that's the deal. Okay, so here let's get to some of the rumor chart stuff here. We have three names today for you. Been checking the list and making my leap my list and checking it twice, as they say. So here's my three names today. Um Santa Aklan. Start yeah, we'll start with Sam Gagne, um, who had a really great year last year, played for almost nothing with with Columbus. Depending on who you talk to, it sounds like Columbus may not be able to keep him, but depending on how much he wants, I guess. But these are the four teams I've ever connected with him. You know, um, Vegas likes him a lot. They would be a good fit there in Vegas, I think. I think he'd be good for Vegas, yeah. He'd be a good fit. Yeah, he'll be protected, but, you know, they could. He'd be a top liner for them. The UFA. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, you have um, – and Buffalo, um, which also would probably make a little bit of sense, I think. No? Yeah, I think he could fit in Buffalo.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm not – Again, it's. I think money is. They have a lot of money tied up. Again, it's going to be. Can they move out Kane? Can they get rid of then Will they buy out Molson? Will they get rid of Innes? There's a lot of dead money or bad money spent in Buffalo. Guy you know Bogosian, right? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, Josh George's. So I mean, if they can move out money, then they can. It frees them up to sign Gagne or somebody like Gagne for two or three years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good, very very good. Uh, Matthew Shane, we just talked about a little bit, but he's on the list here too. But you, so you see the other teams that are still involved in this, um, which you know I think I though I think the Islanders are making the biggest push. You know, I still continue to hear Tampa and Montreal being um, being interested here. Montreal we- falling off <laughs> a little bit. I think they're kind of shifting their gears other directions.
4: I mean the Canadians make so much sense because I mean yeah. you know and and a Duchene Galchenyuk deal or something along those lines would would really although I think if they tra- if if Colorado's trading Duchene I think they get, they'd want to get a defenseman so if that's the if that was the case then they'd probably be asking for Juleson or Sergachev or Bulju.
1: Yeah, I think it'll end up being Bulju. I don't think they'll they'll move on Juleson. I think they. And, and also his injury history probably scare him, and then Sergachev I think is untouchable.
4: Yeah, but the thing is, Ross, I think Montre- Montreal has soured on Julio, and if, if you're Sackick, you know, why would you want a guy that they've soured on? It doesn't matter if they've soured. Listen, Montreal soured
0: on Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true too. Um, all right, so Anthony Duclair is the last one, who we, um, we brought up last year a couple times. He was – it sounds like, you know – Arizona keeps talking more and more about how you know they're going to give him another shot. He's going to come in there. He's going to be their guy. Um, but I, part of that, some people do believe that that's just talk up to try to hype him up a little bit to get him moved. Um, and I keep hearing Ottawa, which is fascinating because here's Ottawa, team that's playing in the playoffs. Um, but they, they oh. last year were kind of leading the leading the charge for DeClaire. Well, that's home
1: territory for him. Like he's, he, he, you know. So I think that that does make a little sense. I still think Philly will be in on him, though. I yeah, do. I do too. I do too. It's home.
4: It's home territory in Ottawa. You know, all all evidence to the contrary in the playoffs, they're desperate for offense because they, you know, yeah. I, you know, playing Boucher's system, you need more offensive players who can create with with lesser opportunities because they're playing that defensive system.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I've I mean, got if the- you
1: get to Claire, you can finally move out Matt Reed. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Matt Reed. Will- that a lot of people believe it could be the guy who's taken in that, but I, yeah. I think I think Arizona has driven down Duclair's value
4: so much they have they killed it that you're that you're talking about maybe getting a second round pick in a in what's a considered an okay draft, whereas before you know, you
0: could have been asking for top prospects.
1: I and think they could trade Scott Lawton for Matt, Anthony Duclair.
0: That would be fascinating if they could. I think they would do that if they could because they do like him. Um, you know, Montreal also has always kept an eye on him and Pittsburgh, believe it or not, who has been sort of in the background as well. No, I fact. could see Pittsburgh. I could. Yeah. I mean, he could be a great, you know, again, you know, you don't put all the pressure on him to be the guy. You go there. Yeah, that's that. he'd be the Ford version of the of the
4: Justin Schultz acquisition. Buy, yeah. buy low, buy right. low and, and get him, yeah. you know, playing with yeah, sure, sure. Him.
0: Um. All right. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Great quick show. Thanks again to uh, Paul McCann for joining us and uh, thank you guys for all your hard work this week we really appreciate it and thank you all out there for supporting the site um, and, the web, and the and and the the podcast at patreon.com slash hockey or you can support the uh, website of course hockeybuscom and become a season ticket holder for 20 bucks and get on the rumor chart um, doing lots of updates this weekend and of course you know lots of great games ahead so by the time we get to Monday let's see we'll be we'll have two more games in this series in the Senators-Penguins series yeah. so we'll be heading into game six in the game six, is that right? For, for it could practice. be o- it could be over if Ottawa wins. Yeah. It could be over, yep. All right, interesting, fascinating stuff. I think it's going to be great. And the other one, we'll have another game for sure, and we'll be going back to game six for, for the Predators on Monday night, I guess. So yep. all good stuff. Remember, guys, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you on Monday.